Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today we have the one and only Linda Kay on the show. Um, you guys are going to love this woman's story. It's amazing. She has an unbelievable story, like literally unbelievable. So, um, please do me a favor and share this out with everyone that, you know, right now, share it out before we go any further, let's get everybody to share this out. And wait until you hear this real estate mogul, author, speaker. She's amazing. Wait till you hear her story. You're going to love it. So share this out. We'll be right back. And we are back. Let me bring Linda Kay on. Linda, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ken. Thanks for having me. Great to see you, everyone. I am so happy to have you on here. Good morning or evening, Dennis in China, my brother from another mother over there in China. Um, so, Linda, I started this show a little over five years ago. Amazing. And, um, it is unbelievable that it we're still going. <laughs> um, Looks like you've got something to say then, Ken. What's that? I said it sounds like you've got something to say. Well, I listen, I want, this is about you. So this, this is, I started this because honestly, at the time I was kind of stuck in life. And I thought, you know, if I just listen to enough successful people tell me how they got unstuck, I'll figure it out. And that's kind of what's happened. And and so I'm excited to hear your whole story. Um, and I want to start with you telling everybody where you were born and raised. And I'm going to give you full screen, by the way. So tell everybody where you were born and raised. So um, I was born in Minot, North Dakota. Now, that's something that a lot of people don't think because, you know, I've been in California most of my life. But wow. um my parents had the good sense to know that I really was a California girl in heart. So they moved here to California back on when, well, I was a little month and when I was three. <laughs> yeah. uh, you almost did it. You almost did it. <laughs> no, um, almost. So, <laughs> so, so when you were three years old, so about 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, no, when you were three, you moved to California from North Dakota. Why North Dakota? Why were you even in North Dakota to begin with? Who lives in North Dakota? So um, my uh, my grandparents uh, who immigrated from the Ukraine um, and then homesteaded to North Dakota because there was free land. And, you know, like that 40, you know, 40 acres and a mule kind of thing. Yeah. The uh, trouble with with homesteading back in the day um, uh, was that you had to you had to fence the land and then put a house on it. Now, I don't know if you know anything about North Dakota, Ken, but it is flat. Is it flat? <laughs> There's no trees there unless you bring them in. They're not indigenous. No. What? <clears throat> the only. um the only trees uh, that really grow are around the bodies of water and, and lakes, but it's a, uh, it, it's tundra. North Dakota's treeless and flat. Think of, think of it, of uh, lots and lots of wheat fields and things like that. that um, and wow. oil. You don't need trees for any of that. Right. I didn't, I did not know that. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Most people don't think of North Dakota as a, uh, you know, treeless because they kind of associate it with South Dakota, which you've got the Black Hills of South Dakota, yeah. you, you know, where Mount Rushmore is. Yeah, and right. You think of all those trees, but could you imagine having to haul those up on wagons to build things? From and South Dakota. From South Dakota. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Crazy, isn't it? 
That's nuts. So, so, so then my mom who had a skin condition went to the hot springs of Montana <clears throat> where she met my dad. Oh, wow. So they get married and uh, mom just went for a treatment, but they you know, came back with a husband. So <laughs> she didn't come back for a couple of years. Like, I'll be back mom soon. <laughs> wow. So, so that, so wow. Your mom went to the hot springs. Did it help her? It actually did, but I think getting married helped her more. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so, okay. So they went back to South Dakota. No, North Dakota. Or North Dakota, I mean. Yes. From, from Montana. So two of my brothers were born in Montana, my two older brothers. And then my next older brother, where was he born? I think, he, yeah, he was born in Minot also. So uh, I was born in Minot, and then my next brother is born in Fargo, and I think that's when my dad said, we've gone too far. Let's get out of here. It's cold, right? right? I mean, you're talking about 30 and 40 below, typically in the winter, wind chill factor, right? Yeah, yeah. Miserable. You're talking about the upper north, you know, northwest. Yeah. Very sensible, commonsensical kinds of people and, and lovely, but yeah. just too damn cold. It's cold. It is so cold there. But everyone, uh, so this is my, I write about this in in a book that I co-wrote with my mom, Miracles on My Doorstep. It's a miracle we actually got here. They put the trailer that shouldn't have been, I mean, can you think of, you know, anything crazier, 45 foot trailer with one axle, like two wheels, one on each side, and they're going to balance this thing and go out to California. Yep, we're headed to California. Let's go. Good thing you don't have to go any over any big mountains on the way. Oh, I'll we hold did. It. We did. We sure did. Donner's Definitely. Pass. Okay. And if you look up Donner's Pass, it is the wow. most, one of the most dangerous highways in the world. Oh my God. Yeah. Let's just go there just before it snows. Okay. Great. So my, they loaded up the truck and there were, you know, I like to say that there were four on the floor, but those were the kids. <laughs> so wow. four on the floor, one on the seat. And uh, so he was a baby. So yes, five baby. of you, five of you, there were five, there would be another four in California. Wow. Donner's Pass played that on Oregon Trail. <laughs> yes, right. Could you imagine this? A Donner party of three. Uh, uh, I'm wow. sorry, there'll only be one of us, right? Because oh they my. cannibalized and ate each other. So it's crazy. It's a crazy, crazy time. So, so yeah, there were five kids in the car pulling a 40, 45 foot trailer with, with one axle. That I mean, that's like the link. They didn't have those kind of rules back in the day, Ken. Come on now. You just, you know, it looks like it's on wheels. Let's just roll, right? That's insane. Okay, so obviously you made it to California. What part of California did you end up in? They uh they rolled on into Riverside. And my my parents had my actually my mom had an aunt and um uh cousins and okay. actually they were i guess so my yeah so this would have been an aunt and and cousins and 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 a great aunt so my uh my grandfather who passed way too early in life it was he, my mom was 18 when she uh, lost her dad oh, and uh so his sister lived in california along with uh, her her sister's mom. Now, Moira, Moira was a character. Moira didn't speak much English. In fact, um, she when in California, she used to ride the uh, trolley in, in Chula Vista. Oh. And Moira, my mom used to say, we hated to have Aunt Moira come over. Why? Well, because she chanted in the morning. She, could you imagine a little five-foot woman all dressed in black with this kind of swirling dervish kind of thing and going... Woo and howling, literally getting herself and working herself up into a, you know, a spiritual wow. frenzy. My wow. mom goes, man, that's scaring me. Does she have to do that in the house, mom? Well, uh, that was her, her father's sister. So, of course, you know, when Moira came to town, uh, Moira and Jacob, nice Jewish names. And so wow. they, <laughs> wow. they, um, uh, 
they they were i'm sure quite a sight to see but in california moira had kind of tamed it down and she didn't really have much english not, she didn't have any reason for english she spoke russian and uh, kept wow. the uh, upper bank of america if you know what i mean with enough change to get on that trolley going back and forth pretty much every day so she got out and she did a lot of stuff but I wow. never met Moira, but I have heard tons of stories about Moira. What did your parents do for a living? So dad was in the plaster trade. So he had picked up a trade in Montana and went union. He worked uh -huh. on, on the um, uh, brand new uh, Rochester, Minnesota hospital Um and uh, then decided it's just too cold and, and work is too far in between. So let's go to where there's, you know, not such inclement weather and I'll have steady work year round, which was a good thing because there were nine of us, nine of us yeah. to feed nine of us. Can you imagine, Ken? Wow. I mean, no. I only have one child and I have had I, I have had times, you know, as we all have challenges. But I can't rem I, I can't imagine every single day a challenge. But as a kid, you don't think about this. You think about fun. You, yeah. We're close to the beach. You know, we're growing up. We're in San Diego, so we wow. uh, we never thought about. Gosh, we're going to miss a meal or hey, it's hamburger again. <laughs> the fact that we thought it was well, a yeah. Can you imagine? I've been through that where you only have one or two children, and and there's been times in my life where it's like, how are we eating today? Imagine having nine of of you. Like, that's crazy. I don't know. I, You know what? I'm going to go out a limb on this and say, you know, it's a Grant, Grant Cardone moment. Why 2X? 10X them. Right. No <laughs> kidding. Holy because, crap. Because, you know, if you're fixing a big pot of stew or you're fixing a big pot of whatever, you know, um, it is easy to fix for 10 or 12 people. And in fact, yeah. that was the hardest thing for me when I got out of high school and went off to college i'm no longer living at home right so it was hard for me to to scale it down and only cook for one person i mean i, wow. I would you know my roommates would come in you having you having company no it's just me there's <laughs> like you know enough food for 15 people right oh my god <laughs> that was crazy. So, so, so that well you kind of answered the <laughs> next question and that was going to be did you end up going to college um, what did you major in in college? What was your studies? So, um, you know, growing up with uh, seven brothers, highly competitive brothers um, who loved to get attention, um, I had to figure out a way to get my own attention. And so I did things that they didn't want to do. I mean, I sat down and studied piano and mom was a piano teacher. So she had the largest piano studio in San Diego. There's a little bit of pressure. I'm just going to say peer pressure. If wow. you're the daughter of the biggest um, piano studios uh, teacher. Wow. You better step up and be really good. And so um, it, it was Jeez. fun because it was competitive um, and listen, competing with my brothers for attention, this was far easier because I didn't have to wrestle with anyone. <laughs> I didn't have to climb a tree faster than anybody. I mean, that's what it was growing up with seven brothers. So when I could sit down at the piano, I took that one on because I said, you know what? There's only one piano in the orchestra. There's only one pianist in front of a choir. There's only one piano in a band. Right. I thought, I'm the show. I'm going to be it. Right. <laughs> and I was. I was, I was the it girl. Wow. And I figured out how to do a whole lot of things uh, because I could do something that other people wanted or needed. So figuring out how to fill a gap. Yeah, it just kind of came natural. And then competing, you know, making sure nobody else sat on that piano bench but me. Well, that was easy. So I became a piano major. I was wow. at San Diego State. I was a music major. Okay, so uh, I, I missed something, Linda. You, you left north dakota with five kids and now i'm hearing about seven where did the other two come in so my sister was born eight years after me and then, oh. we, have, then we have the baby so it went three boys a girl i'm the girl, first girl three boys a girl and then amen oh my gosh wow <laughs> good lord wow so and my my dad is the oldest of seven boys and i i just That's pretty big Pretty big family. I know. I, I think about like, you know, my I asked, I remember asking my grandmother when she was still alive. I'm like, how in the world did you 
do it was i mean you know she said i'd have had seven more if i could have <laughs> oh my god listen you know and not one of us was you know a twin or a triplet we were all one after the other one year after the other so you know there's just literally i i was the my my next older brother was my irish twin he was born you know literally a month and a year no wow. a week and a year from my birthday so wow. I was born a week and a year later. So it's kind of crazy. But my mom said, I just cried with joy and happiness that you weren't a boy. Well, <laughs> I am too. <laughs> well, so so you you ended up studying piano in college. That was your major, I which is unbelievable. And so you um, are not, in fact, the real estate ninja I thought you were. You're an internationally <laughs> famous pianist. Oh, yes. We had the Cherries. Okay. That was the name of my all girl band. I won't tell you what our motto was because this is a family show. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. But wow. We were, we were we were running into you know all female bands and we we would just get etched out one after another and I eventually said okay I'm gonna just do the Vegas Tahoe Reno circuit and I played with all kinds of interesting acts including Mac Davis you picked a fine time to leave wow yeah that was a lot of fun no so uh, uh, but you know good things will come to an end because in the music business, it is a youth oriented business. So your choices when you grow up, not like today where you can publish your own stuff and, yeah. you know, and tour and do whatever you want. My choices at that time was go into um, uh, Christian music, gospel music, or, um, or country music. Okay. So I didn't want to do country. I'm not black. So I couldn't do gospel. And I didn't know. I was like, okay, what else can I do? And, um, you know, when you have a, a choice, when you have no choice, <laughs> you have, you know, your, your, your decision matrix is a little different, but I had, I had a few choices and, um, I went into sales because I thought sales, yes, let sales. me leave the piano and go into sales. Well, it you know, perfect was, sense. <laughs> no, think about it now, Ken. And it does make perfect sense. I'm on a stage. I'm selling a song. What right. could be any different than selling a product or right. selling a service? It's the same thing. Right. It's yeah. Showtime. Yeah. Right. <laughs> wow. So, so, okay. What did you start selling? You know, I don't remember um, back then, um, but I was, I, I sucked at it. I really, really was bad. Yeah. I didn't really um, have any other marketable skills. So I thought, well, I better figure this out. And, you know, there's always going to be a recession like every seven years, or yeah. there's going to be a disaster that comes up. You've got to figure stuff out. Yep. And I looked around and said, okay, we're in a high tech. Let me get into being technical. Now, most people that know me go, come on. You can't be serious, <laughs> right. but I was, I was, you know, I was uh, assigned uh, to really big, big name corporations at that time, Arthur Anderson, um, you know, the big names, GM, Hughes, because wow. I figured out how to do things and early on figured out I was a problem solver. I didn't know that at the time. I, it was just like, oh, well, that's interesting. Oh, let's get the, you know, because the discipline that I had learning how to play an instrument. Well, yeah. it is like the discipline of learning multiple languages or, or learning, just learning your craft. But turns out that that skill set is transferable. And so what I wanted to do was figure out how to do something. And I would just spend the time to focus on it, spend the time to needle away at it, ask a million questions. How does it do that? Why does it work? And having a natural curiosity really kind of led me to being able to do a lot more things than I ever thought it would be possible. Um, and after five years of that, I started looking and, and I'm like figuring things out and, and I'm the in-demand um, uh, systems engineer that goes out on all of these sales calls. And I'm watching the sales guys watch me do my show, do my thing and help them position themselves to close big sales. And I'm like, well, that wow. just sucks. I want I want those big bucks too. 
And so I got into, that's when it really made the transfer into sales and started selling technology. But that yearning in me still wanted to go back and still wanted to do the music. So I got back into the music industry and started doing some different types of things and things that I never would have expected would be successful. And this was all occurring around what age? I was in my 30s. Okay. At this time. So, um, Joe, Joe Ingram says it's hard to read your whiteboard with it blurred out. <laughs> I don't think I have a whiteboard, do I? No, I don't think you do. Nobody can tell what's in your background. But, um, so, so, so you were, and, and you were, um, that's when you realized, wait, the salespeople closing the deals are making the big bucks. Yeah. And now how do I get into, and, and it, it just doesn't dawn on me that, Hey, let's go after some big ticket items. I I'm, I'm just kind my, my interest in sales was more from a curiosity. Can I do this? Can I do that? Can I sell these? And so um, somehow or another, I've talked myself into and, and talked somebody else into hiring me to do independent promotion. Uh, I was wow. trying to sell my own songs. I was packaging things up. I was, you know, selling artist packages. So I w- would co-produce and co-write uh, songs with different artists. And um, uh, all of a sudden, I found myself, you know, pitching something to a, the A and R guy at one of the studios back in the day when wow. you still had A and R and and, yeah. um, and studios really meant something. And I got a chance to go do independent promotion on Janet Jackson's big breakthrough comeback on uh, 1814 Rhythm Nation. Wow. And sold, pre-sold 3 million units. I did things like, you know, calling stations and and we did drop-ins all across the country. So like, hi, this is, KG, this is Janet Jackson on KTLH, wishing you a very Merry Christmas. So those are called drop-ins. And so I did wow. that across the country. She's a lovely lovely human being. And then did uh, uh, listening parties where you go into clubs and you sell this stuff to jobbers that that were selling discs and selling, you know, selling wax at that time. And so, I mean, it doesn't. So you worked for Janet Jackson? Yeah. I did not know that about you. I actually worked for the studio that did did the work. So I was an indie. So I I was hired as an indie, but met her many times. And, uh, uh, had an opportunity to sit in the back of the limo with her a few times. Oh my gosh. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty amazing. That You know what a mega, mega hit that entire album was, you know, it's Jackson. If you're nasty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that was the one before that, but she, you know, this is when uh, she finally hooked up with Jimmy jam and Terry Lewis. And I mean, wow. it was a mega, mega, mega hit. Um, you know, um, so you know, she was kind of on her way out and I had to listen to the A&R guy tell her why she didn't have any money because her dad was managing her career at the time. And, and that was disappointing, but I, you know, having her and, and I met Michael at that time and having them do their own breakaways and doing their own things. That was, you know, it was an exciting time. It was like, wow, big stars and taking big risks. And, and I don't know, something just kind of clicked with me. You know, on my next project, I got to work with Barry White on his comeback album, The Man Is Back. So I, you know, did his, you know, his U.S. his U.S. tour. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was fun. It was interesting. But, you know, all good things will come to an end, you know, because you've got, you know, you've always got to be thinking about what's next. What's next? What's next? And in that business, it's a fleeting next. You know, it's not wow. like, you know, you've got social media influencers today. And, and no, if you don't have a hit um, and, and a reason to be out there promoting something, you can risk that your career is pretty much flattened out and over. But well, uh, you know, she's one of the, Janet is one of the artists that has been a sustaining artist uh, for her entire career. You know, she's, she's am- I love Janet Jackson. She's, uh, she's awesome. amazing. She's amazing. So, so, and she, back in the day, at least she could dance her butt off. She was unbelievable. But so, so now did you, cause you said you had a child. Did, did you have a child during all of this too? No, no, it, oh. it was, uh, it was uh, uh, actually a surprise um, when my business melted down and I decided I got to go you know, when things really get too hot, I was teaching on the uh, campus of Cal- 
Cal Arts High School. So it was the All Arts High Schools on the campus of Cal State LA. And um, it, it was a performing arts school. And, you know, so it's one of one of the only and largest here on the West Coast. But wow. I was early on teaching and, and teaching performance, teaching uh, the business of business and being in the business. So, you know, again, just kind of crafting and finding what do you need and figuring out, you know, what what sells. So I was able to um, use a lot of my skill sets, but uh, when the contract didn't uh, renew and things were just not right in uh, Los Angeles, uh, as they say, if the can't take the heat in the kitchen, get out. Yeah. So I went north, and 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 uh, up north is where I had my child. And Northern uh, California, San Francisco. Oh wow! Okay. So uh, uh, and I met my husband then. Uh, and he didn't live in San Francisco, but he did come, he worked for the same company that I was working for. So now I'm back in tech sales and I'm, uh, I'm, you know, managing and figuring out. And uh, uh, I, I think the best close that I ever did was tell him, you know, we're at this age, you know, we don't really need a lot of time to figure out, are we right for each other? Let's get married. <laughs> wow. And he was like, I don't know. I think we should probably, <clears throat> we should probably, uh, you know, spend some time getting to know each other. And I'm like, you want to wait for that? And then I, I won't be available. So you got to figure, you know, so just <laughs> literally like, take, I, take yourself off the market. <laughs> you're like, I need a baby. <laughs> I had a baby already. Right. Oh. So I'm trying to figure out how am I going to raise my child? Right. How am I, you know, so uh, we get married and, and, my 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 favorite story is you know i tell him that you know you got to put a ring on it you got to put yeah. a ring on it and yeah. it's got to be you know you, you've got to do two times your annual salary well, this guy's making a boatload of money and he's like no nah, i don't think so that, you could have like a lot of diamonds is that the one. rule <laughs> well that was a rule i gave him oh my and, god and he says well based on what and i said well you know it's kind of you know it's a guy thing it's like a size thing so when guys look at you know your your ring they think about you know how wealthy or how well will that guy take care of you because really does that really work that oh yes it does i got myself a nice four carat diamond out of that oh my god. oh yeah we were like <laughs> and, wow. and everybody was like how did you do that? Wow. Which was kind of fun and kind of interesting. But, you know, uh, he was my million dollar man. I mean, so, between the two of us, we, well, well, we made well into the seven figures. That's amazing. And he so, got me to come back to California. But, and I said, the only way I'll come back to LA is if I move as far north out of LA as possible. Okay. And that's how, that's how I ended up in Malibu. In Malibu. Okay. So there's my wife and Jose's watching too. Uh, <laughs> hey Jose. And Jill's on here too. So so, so you um ended up she, Jill did not get a ring that was double my <laughs> annual salary. Thanks for putting that in her head, Linda. Um, you know, there's still time. <laughs> thanks for being on the show nice to have you on so i'm kidding so so um so you ended up moving back to la or malibu and um and thank you for sharing jose shared this out thank you brother i appreciate that um so you ended up in, in Malibu, which I've never been to, but you ended up in Malibu. You're welcome anytime. Thank you. And, and where, so where did things go? How old was your, your baby at this point? So, um, you know, it, it was a pivoting moment. Um, Elena was a year when I, almost a year oh. old when I got married. Okay. And the marriage, um, boy, uh, the marriage was an interesting and fun and fast track. We traveled, we did all kinds of things. Everything was first class, putting Elena on the new Disney boat and, and going off to the Bahamas. It was just, a, it was a magical time. It's funny because, you know, um, 
money isn't everything, but money can fix a whole lot of things. And so uh, living in a lifestyle that I had never experienced before was an exciting time. But I remember uh, watching Elena and she was about four, about four, four and a half years old. Yeah. And I looked at her um, with pride as she taught, uh, as she tied Dan's shoelaces. And it wasn't because she was learning how to tie shoelaces. It's because he had forgotten. My million dollar man had a stroke on Father's oh. Day in 2000. And it was a massive, massive stroke. Now, this man was only 42 years old when this happened. Wow. We didn't know anything about deep vein thrombosis. We didn't know about a lot of things that we know a lot about today. But he had a, a, a CDA or cardiovascular um, uh, arrest. And um, I had no idea. I wasn't even supposed to be home that weekend. I was going to go to San Diego and, and it was Father's Day. And he says, well, I'll just put you on a plane. Just go tomorrow morning. And about four o'clock in the morning, I'm hearing, you know, something groping around on the floor. I turn on the light and it's him just trying to crawl back to his bed. And Amazing. I'll tell you, my um, my Ken and Barbie life changed like that. He went from being million dollar winner to um, he couldn't even remember his name. In fact, Ken, the only thing wow. that he could remember at the hospital, he didn't even know me. He didn't even know my name. All he knew was the price of that damn ring. He says, I don't know who you are, but why are you wearing my wife's ring? <laughs> are you serious? I am very serious. He oh did my not God. Know who I was. And um, wow, wow. Uh, literally everything stopped. I mean, that's what you do when you're married, you support each other. Right. Um, and I went into, you know, nurse Linda mode. I went into, we got to fix this. We got to do that. Um, I had been, um, I had been hired by a, a Northern California uh, high tech uh, company and they would fly me out of LA on a, on a uh, Sunday night and bring me back uh, from Silicon Valley on a Thursday night. So flying back and forth, I had to literally say, I have to stop. And now, there was another reason why I had to stop. It was just before you know uh, his stroke. I remember Elena calling me, and I was in one of the corporate houses. And she goes, hola, mama, que tal? ¿Cómo estás? And I'm like, oh, my God. Who's raising <laughs> my child? Oh, my God. It didn't <laughs> register. It took a second for that one to land. Oh, I was like, uh, this is just not going to work, right? I mean, and thank God I had Rosa with us until Elena was 11, but um, that's a whole different story. But now, you know, that he's had a stroke, I need to stop what I'm doing. I need to be home. So I stopped what I was doing. There's no income coming in. My million dollar man went to zero. And I'm like, no, we've got enough. We can we can take care of things. We can do this. We can take care of that. But um, about maybe 15 months into his recovery. And, you know, I think I was the kind of person that reminded him that he had a handicap now. Dan, if you can't tell the difference between red, green, or yellow, do you think you really should drive a car? Right. And, you know, so I, I um, must have represented a limitation to him. Um, and he looked, he represented liability. I, I couldn't take my eyes off of him. You know, um, my dad comes in uh, from the barbecue and he says, did, did you see Dan out there? You know, he was, <clears throat> he turned the barbecue on and came in to find a lighter. Elena was on the other side of that wall. If he'd lit that barbecue, it had blown up and she would have been, well, I, I don't even want to think about what would have happened to her. But, you know, this is what the next year and a half looked like <clears throat> until the first night of High Holy Days where we were supposed to meet over at his parents' house for dinner. <clears throat> the first <clears throat> night of what? High Holy Day. So it's a Jewish holiday. Oh. Um, it's Rosh Hashanah. It's New yeah. Year's. And, yeah. you know, yeah. there's a big celebration. Yeah. We're going to have that celebration at his parents' house. And he doesn't show up. And he doesn't show up. And he doesn't show up. And he was driving, of course. And I'll tell you, um, when I got home and realized he moved out, I'm like, what? You've got to be kidding me. I, I'm just all of a sudden, I am now in the in the realization that oh. life has changed 
again in an instant. And not you only didn't see like, it coming. I did not see it coming. Oh my God. I had no idea. All I knew was that, you know, I was uh, intercepting credit cards because he kept wanting to get credit cards. I had, you know, uh, I, I asked him if, you know, are you seeing anybody? Cause I, you know, I'd see money disappear and see, you know, those were the small things. And when I hired a PI and showed him the pictures of, you know, um, a so-called gentleman's club, um, <laughs> All he could look, he just looks me straight in the eye and he goes, well, everybody needs a little love with that funny, crooked little smile. But when he left, yeah. that was, a, I, I, can, I, I can't even begin to tell you what panic I had, what anxiety I had. All of a sudden, how am I going to pay for the house? I'm broke. How am I going to keep Elena in the school that I want her to be in and, and the community that we're in? I'm broke. And not only am I broke, I'm broken. <clears throat> wow. Because within 30 days of him leaving, my Irish twin that I was just talking about took his life. And I'm like, can what? anything else happen? Can any and and the, and I didn't see that coming. Nobody saw that coming. Wait, your Irish twin. Yeah, my brother. Your took year, his a life. Year, a year and a week older than me. Yeah. And, and this guy had everything seemingly to live for two children, you know, uh, a life in Santa Barbara, you know, what could be better. Right. But um, when things change, when people change and, and they abruptly change, what do you do? You know, wow. for me, it was, I don't know what I'm going to do. I honestly don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, you know, Elena had just started, um, uh, elementary school. She was in kindergarten. Oh my God. And I literally would walk her to the bus stop in the morning and come back and I would schedule grief. I would schedule grief for two hours, looking at pictures of a brother, looking at the papers from the attorney, looking at, uh, I, I was, I was an absolute emotional wreck. And, and I literally would just simply cry and cry and cry. And then the and then take my shower and take my last cry before I would go and pick up Elena. Now this went on for, you know, I'm going to say it seemed like months, but it was probably weeks because I'm not one to sit and wallow in misery and, and make everybody well, well, else well, around me miserable. I, There's no so time. I, have, I, I have a question though. I, Cause I, you know, I've been through not that, but I've been through crap where it's like you, 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 you don't know what you're going to do. You feel like there's no hope. You feel like there's there you there's this is it. It's over. How how do we how do we survive this? You know, I I've been down to not my last dollar, but overdrawn in my account and and no. And what do you mean I'm never out of money? I still have checks. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly. So right. so what? How are you in that moment? I mean, you've got a house in Mal Malibu still, right? You had the house. Right. You've got. I kept the house. You, you got all this stuff going on, and how the heck are you even eating? You know, it's uh, some some part of this is still a mystery to me. But fortunately, you know, uh, Rosa, you know, who grew up in a de developing country, and uh, in uh in south central america and you know she didn't grow up with big stuff so it wasn't like you know i gotta please rosa and elena's just a kid you know, hot dogs for 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 lunch and dinner oh my god this is a kid's kid's dream right, right. Um, for, and for me who had a who had an appetite i couldn't even think about it all i could think about you know and there there will be times in everybody's life ken and i love the fact that you call those breakthrough walls because you will break through. And, you know, there have been other times, you know, where I was in a deeper emotional state where I contemplated, uh, you know, I think we all think about suicide when you, you yeah. I, I would be better off dead or you'd be better off without me. And we all have those fleeting, silly moments and, you know, and not acting out on them. You know, we think about that in our worst moments, but at this time in my life, it isn't just me now. It's how do I take care of Elena? 
how do I take care of her? How do I give her the life? How do I, how do I give her this kind of start that she can have that I didn't have? She right. doesn't have brothers or sisters, no competition. How do I do this for her? How do I keep her in this community? How do I pay my mortgage? How do I pay my insurance? How do I pay food? Let me just tell you, she was my big why. And when you have a why that's big enough, you'll, you'll figure out the how. You just will. Wow. I hope everybody watching gets that. That's powerful. So, so, okay. So talk about where did you go from there? You cried for weeks. Um, oh, you're going to and- love this part of it. This, this is now the recovery. <laughs> okay. Recovery yeah. phase. All right. Everybody pull up. <laughs> we're, right. we're not going to crash and burn. So I'm, um, <laughs> oh, I get in the shower and, you know, I remember that I was a legend in my own shower. I remember that I like to sing in the shower, right? So I started thinking, you know, of the times when I was successful, when I was on stage, and and who comes to mind but Mac Davis. So I start singing, you picked a fine time to leave me, you heel. I just changed the words, and I start thinking about that miserable lout that left me. I'm, oh, my God. I am so mad. I, I had to get out of, oh, my God, what did he just do to me from the uh, abandonment, the anxiety, the the anger, the the uh I can't even begin to tell you what emotional state I could switch from from moment to moment, but spending 18 months of my life helping this guy recover and he walks out. I'm like, who does this? And so as I started getting more angry, I started thinking about, okay, well, sales, it's been very good to me. But now I'm looking around and I'm going, what the hell can I sell that could be so big that I can make a lot of money at? Because software, you know, I mean, yeah. We we did, you know, probably a couple of hundred thousand a quarter. And but, you know, you got to build out to that. And I'm like, nah, I, I got to have a quick pop. I got to do something. So I started looking around and looked at real estate. And I said, you know, now homes weren't the value that they are today. You know, right. my house was then was under a million. And the, uh, the so looking at homes and I'm thinking, I don't really like the residential real estate agent mindset. You know, I don't want to have my picture on a card. Okay. I just didn't. So I started looking at commercial real estate and then I said, that's got to be easy, but what part of this, right? And I, you know, because you need to kind of specialize, you don't just do everything. Right. And I started thinking, well, what do I know about? Most people will go in and start doing multifamily because everybody's figured out, you know, we lived in an apartment once. So how tough could that be? So we can kind of relate to something like that. Not me. I didn't want to do that. Uh, thinking about the apartments I lived in uh, as an undergrad every six months, moving a piano. Can you imagine how crazy that was? My brothers no. hated to hear from me. Like, right. Hi. Yeah. no, we're not going to move you. And so <laughs> I started looking at what do I know a lot about? Well, I know a lot about shopping and retail. So uh, um why not sell shopping centers? And that became my specialty. And so I, the first sale that I did, I had to be under supervision because I didn't know anything at the time. And that was 20 years, 21 years ago. And I haven't looked back. I have not looked back. It has been a business that's been very, very good to me. And I can tell you that um, today, you know, when I, when I work and I work in what I'm doing, um, I'll work maybe three, maybe four hours, sell a four and a half. And, and, and this is over a period of maybe six to six weeks to eight weeks, four and a half hours. And I'll make a solid six figures on that. And wow. I love what I do. And I, and I solve problems. And, and so that whole skill set of coming in from my childhood, developing that skill set throughout my life, I figured out the bigger the problem, the more people will be willing to spend for it. And the more, and the more you get paid for it. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I sorted out and, and big problems, things that the attorneys couldn't figure out and gave up on things that the title officer couldn't figure out. That's the kind of the weird, weird, weird little nuances in, in a transaction, figuring out how to rewrite a lease, figuring out how to keep a big box in, in a retail center. Those became my specialties. And And in every single instant, 
every single instant can every one of my clients have become multi-millionaires so i call myself the millionaire maker because if they take my advice they become millionaires they don't just do one million on a transaction if they take my advice and i put them into into a transaction they'll walk out with four, five, and $8 million in, in, in a whole period of, of three to five years. That's kind of the sweet spot for yeah. investors. Three in, to five a, in commercial real estate. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. So you do yeah. no residential. I, I do residential. I have done a lot of residential for my clients. And so my clients tend to be legacy clients now. They, they'll send me their kids and and say, teach them, you know, what, you know, or, or I want them to invest and I only want them to invest with you. And so that's wow. a wonderful, wonderful blessing and an acknowledgement that yeah. um, I have built a, a career on trust and belief. And, and uh, because you're, when you're talking about people's money, you're a fiduciary, you've got to have them trust you, you've got to have yeah. them know what you can do that you can fix a problem and i stand behind my business you know i've had clients that bought something and and a single tenant and all of a sudden you know the tenant leaves i stand behind that i'll go get another tenant and put it in and i haven't charged that client for it now i'll tell you i probably am in the upper one percent in the entire country that stands behind their work as a real estate agent for their clients I don't know of any other. I was in a transaction recently, Ken, and this was a, a residential for one of my clients. <clears throat> and we were real close on the on the deal. And we were and the the buyer came back and kept asking for things. And I and I and at one point I just simply said no. But if you want to make a contribution from your commission to help your client, I'll be happy to match you. I'll match you. I will if you will. Now, I don't have to give my money away. Right. 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 And it's not like I got so much of it. I ne- I just need to give it away. And if I'm going to give it away, I'd prefer to give it to something that I want to give it away. But in a transaction, I will if you will. Right. I will do this. And not not one not one cent would they contribute. We canceled the transaction. You know, and, and that is far more typical than something that I'll say, okay, I I I will make a contribution. Now I've, I've had to stop clients and I've let clients go that yeah. will take advantage of that because you do, you know, you're talking about a business where, you know, the, the principals don't want to see the agents make a lot of money and, and especially in commercial real estate. So those are the clients you kind of weed out. The other ones applaud and are excited to pay you because they made so much money. And so I can tell you without a doubt if I hadn't taken the risk, if I hadn't, ta- maybe I wouldn't have taken that risk if I didn't have the kind of problem that I had to solve. Because right. when, when you're when you're solving problems, you know, I like to think of it in any transaction. I don't care what kind of sale you are doing. You got to have a little bit of tension there because that tension creates the environment where you've got to be opportunistic. You've got to be a little bit more creative. You've got to think outside the box. And I'll tell you, it's an exciting thing to do because um, uh, a lot of people think, well, it's sales, you know, and sales is easy or sales is hard or I never want to sound like a salesperson. I don't either. I'm a solution sell. Let me fix the problem. You know, I was thinking about this this morning and Sue Strickland, my buddy Sue says, so dynamic. And she's right. You are incredibly (laughs) dynamic. But, I, you know, I was thinking about because in, in my first book I wrote, I quoted Dr. Wayne Dyer saying um, pain is the predecessor of all wisdom. And and, you know, I think about like I'm like, well, wait a minute. That would make me a very wise man then. And I'm not <laughs> sure. But but, you know, I, I think that I look, it shows on you, you know, I. I, you don't even have to have a conversation with, with you from my perspective. And you just, it, it exudes from you. You're, you're, it's just shows that you've, you have this wisdom and this, this, um, I don't know, um, drive, like you have this drive. It's very, very apparent in you. So, so let me ask you a question because I, you know, I know you've done like, 
750 or a million dollars in, in sales um, or, or more now, probably a lot more. Um, yeah, this, this is this quarter is almost approaching almost 20 million. That's insanity. It is. It's crazy. Wow. That's that's incredible. That's just incredible. So so let me ask you a question. And this is based on your opinion. The number one answer to this is fear. I ask this question of everybody. So you have to do better than fear. Okay. Um, because I know for a fact it's deeper than fear. What? Okay. I've been broken homeless and I've been wealthy and wealthy is way better. Right. So what do you yeah, think? It's a whole lot of problems. It does. I don't care what I, I love what Grant says. He said Grant Cardone says a guy walks up to me after I give a speech and says, you know, Grant, money, not everything's about money. And he goes, and I looked at him and said, You're broke, aren't you? <laughs> like only broke <laughs> people say that stuff. This is so but, true. But but you know, like like what do you think holds people back in life from having real financial success and joy, freedom, happiness, just having the whole thing. What do you think is stopping people in life from having it all? Mindset. Mindset mm. is everything. Mindset will run your business, but moreover, mindset will run your life. And if your mindset is scarcity, you will always have scarcity. In mindset, if you believe that, you know, like you grew up with thinking money is the root of all evil, then you will just simply in the back of your mind subconsciously find ways to sabotage your success, sabotage your career, sabotage the love in your life, sabotage the freedom that you could have from all the expression of what that money could, might be able to bring. And so mindset, in my opinion, is probably the number one uh, reason because, you know, look, bad things happen to people. Yeah. You can live in it. You can decide, okay, um, you know, I'm a victim of this. Um, and, and there are victims of things, okay? Plenty of victims of things. But it isn't what you go through. It's what you and how you get out of and go through to get to the other side. You don't give up. You don't wallow. You don't stay there. Yes, take the time to have that um, that grief, that, that deep grief that comes from a loss, that deep grief that comes from being violated, that deep grief from being, um, uh, uh, I can't even think of the word because my mind won't go there, uh, which when I think about um, what my husband did. And yeah, at the end of the day, it's you because people will look at where are you in your life? What are you doing? And the circumstances that you were in, did you stay in them? Did you wallow in them? Did you just stay there? Or did you figure out a way to get out? And nobody gets through this life by themselves. Ken, I've had plenty of people that have helped me in my lifetime. But I will tell you, surround yourself with better people around you because it makes you think differently. It makes you get up. It makes you, in many, many ways, do things that you might just go, you know, I don't really feel like doing that today. I, I you know, I, I could slide on this one today. I'm not saying that you can't procrastinate and put things off, but yeah. eventually in your business, it's going to show up. So what is it in your life? What is it that you want in your life? You know, um, I, I do this in presentations and I speak a lot. I, I'll get up and, and I'll have a stack of $20 bills and I'll say, who likes money? Do you like money? Do you like money? Do you like money? Who wants, who wants a 20? And everybody's got their hand up, right? Everybody's got their hand up. I want it. I want it. I want it. I want it. Right. And do you, do you want some money? Do you want some money? And finally, when one person figures out he's got to get up and come get that 20, now everybody else starts doing it, right? Yep. And, and the point that I always make, <laughs> and, and it's a simple, simple analogy and simple truth. You want something, get up and go get it. You don't say, I want it. I really want it. I'm going to use a think system. Yeah, okay, that right. might have worked for the music band, but I'll tell you what, mindset is everything. Amen. Amen, amen, and amen. Mindset and then action. Take freaking action. Oh, yeah. That's what you're saying. Take get action. off your ass and go get the 20s. <laughs> <laughs> and <clears throat> when you're taking that action, don't be afraid to make a mistake. Fall forward. 
Yes. Because if you never try something, you'll never know if it worked or it didn't work. Okay. I mean, I, I, you know, there are people that are watching right now that I know that they've had setbacks. We're all going to have a setback. Okay. And, you know, I think about this um, every, every night at eight o'clock, I get a phone call. And if I don't get that phone call, I make the phone call. And when I don't get that phone call, I worry. And so one morning I called my mom and I said, hey, you didn't, you didn't call last night. And she said, yeah, I hit my head. And I said, what did you run into? Well, um, I bumped into um, a, a, a chair. Then, then I turned around and I hit my head. And I said, what happened? She goes, well, somebody moved the furniture. Okay. Mom's blind. So if you go moving furniture, uh, that's going to, you know, something's going to happen. And, and what I learned out of that comment from her was that bumps are coming for you. Bumps are going to come for you in your business. Bumps are going to come for you in your health. Bumps are going to come for you in your relationships. Yeah. How do you get through it? And so I started putting up, you know, those those um, those bubble tubes, those long tubes that you have in the, the string things. I started putting them on everything around doorways and everything else. Mom doesn't hit her head anymore. Right. You figure right. out what to do. You figure out how to keep things from, from happening in the wrong way. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, other people learn in that process. And I'll tell you, you never know what kind of an example you're going to be. I, I had no idea that she was watching. <clears throat> Your daughter. And I never pushed Elena to do anything. I never punished her for anything. She was just a great kid. And if I had known I was going to have such a great kid, I would have had a half dozen of them, honest to God. But <laughs> you don't know, you know. <clears throat> and when she went off to college, this is a kid that had never stepped a foot in a boat without hanging and clinging on to me, right? But she walked on to the crew in a D1 school. And at 100 pounds, she became the coxswain. Coxswain is that person that sits in the boat, kind of laid back and lays, and then steers a boat like this with their finger on a wire. And eight women in a boat backwards, and she's telling them how to row around. I'll tell you what, I never wow. thought leadership really spoke to her, and yet it did. You know, I, she was in, I was out in the garden pulling weeds and saying, hey, come on down. That girl can grow a vegetable now. I was like, what happened? You, you never wanted to do this when you, when you were growing up. She says, no, but I do now. I, I saw enough when I was a kid. Wow. You know, you don't know who's watching. That's so right. be the best that you can be. Be the best example that you can be and live your life with joy. Live it because, you know, there's too many things that can get you down. And I love to see the expression on people's face when they're amazed that I've done something for them. And, and that gives me great joy. It gives me you know, great hope when I, I see other people do exactly the same thing. So, uh, wow. hey, Jeffrey, great, great to see you. Thanks for joining. And I, I'm just like, wow, life will just simply happen. But I want life to happen on my terms as much as possible. And I got to tell you, um, uh, all these decades that uh, it is a joy to wake up. I have joy in the morning. I have joy at night. I have peace in, and, and I, I have peace in my life. And uh, although it was uh, 21 years ago, he passed about a year or so ago, but 20 years. He lived on 20 years after this. And I'll tell you that I would do it again. I would help it because if I hadn't been home, I would have come home to like a, a Luther Vandross situation and because wow. Luther Vandross had the same kind of stroke and he obviously didn't survive. So 20 years having a life, I said, take the money, take all the stock. I can make it again. You're kind of handicapped. You take the money. I'll take the house. <laughs> you said, you said you're kind, you're kind of handicapped. <laughs> Well, it was true. His, his, his skill set and his ability to be able to work was over. So oh that God. is a handicap. I know. Yeah. I'm just, I just the way, the way that I, I love, I love that though. That's, that's your strength. You're like, I, take hey, it. I, I got more. There's more back here. Right. I, I go. Is, go but I'm, take find it all. I'm, I'm good. I love that. <laughs> I freaking love that about you. <clears throat> you got it. You, you can't. <clears throat> I think the number one thing I, I love about you is, is you and, and 
you know, you and I are good friends. We spend a lot of time working together on zoom meetings and, 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 you know, one thing I know about you is you refuse to be a victim. Victim. No, (laughs) circumstances happen and things that I can't control, but I'll tell you what, um, you done me wrong. That's your fault. Yeah. That is I your fault. That. That, that, that's on you. I'm not going to chase you down. I'm not going to waste my time getting revenge. I am going to, my revenge is live well and live better. That's so awesome. Wow. <laughs> Linda, you are amazing. One last question for anybody who, um, I, you know, I often tell the, I had a, a car repossessed in front of all of my employees one day. Um, and that was like the most humiliating moment I feel in my life. I, I was like, I how do I come back from this? They all are freaking out thinking they're not getting paid. And, and they were, I just wasn't. And, and, you know, um, I remember thinking you said it earlier. I remember thinking, what's the point of even being here anymore? Like mm. wh- why even be here? And, and I, I can remember for a, I mean, a split second thinking that, right? Like, I, how, how do I go on from here? But for people who are watching, who've, who've been, who, maybe their electric is getting shut off tomorrow or yep. a car just got repoed or whatever. They're trying to figure all of it out and they just can't seem to make it all click and work. We've all been there where you feel like you can't make it click and work. What do you say to that person to help them get through to the next moment? It's not simple. Because if it was simple, everybody would figure it out and figure out how to do it. So you have a challenge right now. And you can't think about that challenge and how to get through it while you're thinking about all the things that can go wrong. So in a worst case scenario, let everything go. Because if you have that ability that you created and you have, and you've gotten once, you can do it over and you can do it over and you can do it better. So thing, you know, if you lose something, they're just things, right? You can replace things. You can't replace people, but you can replace things, stuff. Um, I didn't mention that I, Before I left Los Angeles, I lost everything. I had a house. I lost that to the partner. I lost my car, repossessed, lost my contract, not paying attention, lost, 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 and go to San Francisco and think, you know, life. And then it got worse. If you don't think things can get worse, they can, and they will, and they do. So get yourself in the mindset that says, I'm going to get through this because the only way out is through. That is so good. Wow. That's powerful. Linda K. Thank you. I, I, I I really, I love you. I love your story. I love your energy, everything about you. Where, where can everybody follow you? So you can find me at Linda K 360, L I N D A K 360.com. So that will lead you to all kinds of things, from my social media platform, to videos, to courses, to all kinds of things, um, or even contact me, call me, I'll help you. Is it, and it's Linda K 360.com. Yeah. Hold on. I'm going to scroll. You'll right see back. a couple of videos of me talking and up just the, just the letter K. Oh, oh, oh. Well, you can look. find me at that one too. Cause I have a redirect on that one, but. Linda, L-I-N-D-A-K, 360. Got it. Got it. All right. I'm going to put that back up here. But I don't know what I would do uh, because I do a podcast also, and I had no idea how to do half the things that you do on here that make it look so simple. And I, I, I am so grateful for not only friendship, but our professional, you know, demeanor with each other that, mm-hmm. you know, supports each other. But you never make me feel like an idiot. And there are plenty of times that I act like one. So... <laughs> thank you. No, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all your help. You and are the furthest the furthest from an idiot that I've ever met. So <laughs> you're you're an amazing woman. 
Linda, thank, thank you, you so much for being on today and sharing your your soul, your spirit, everything. If My you pleasure. would stay with me, though, I'm going to end the live stream, but we can chat for a minute. Um, everybody, thank make, you everybody for joining us today. This is yes. such a pleasure. Yes, it's been amazing. So make sure you go, go to lindak360.com and follow Linda everywhere on all the social medias and watch for her. She's She's got some really big stuff coming up. So I'm Linda. coming for you. <laughs> she, she's not playing. She's not playing. Thank you so much. We'll see you all later. Linda, thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.